when it comes to us, the average Joe or, or Joette in, in the service, the average person, that resurrection is not for us. There is no resurrection for us. It was just for Christ. And this is what the church was thinking. And Paul's going to correct that. There are a lot of misconceptions about what happens after we leave this planet. And if you talk to anyone outside the church, there's a lot of contrast in belief. There are those who believe that we are just material. Right? And when you die, you die like a dog. You are dead. D-E-E-D, dead. Okay? And you become worm food. That's it. Your existence ceases. And you'll talk to people who, are, who say they're, they're atheists and they're agnostic. They don't know, but they just believe that we die and we're dead. There are others that believe there's an endless cycle that happens. And they call it reincarnation. So that if you do really good, you will come back in a higher form. So for men, that means you'll come back as a woman. <laughs> if you do well. And if you do poorly, you'll come back as a Maple Leaf fan. Or a Cleveland Browns fan. That was cheap, I know, but, right? Um, and so there's this endless cycle. You, you know, the karma happens. There are others who believe that they will be absorbed by the universe, the great spirit. And so I die and I become like a drop in the ocean and just I, I am absorbed back into divinity. And, and then there are Christian people who have strange ideas. There are some who think you're going to come back and haunt the people who troubled you. You have your list. Or you're going to grow wings and be an angel. And so there, there's a great contrast when you talk to people about this topic. And honestly, there's great curiosity. I mean, we have endless books about what happens. I was talking to Greg the other day about Dante's um, Divine Comedy in the 1300s, talking about his, his, his journey through hell and, and what he saw in these nine circles, I guess, of, of hell. And, We've had books, you know, 23 Days in Hell, and a guy writes about how he came back from hell. And then we have those about heaven. Heaven is for real, a best-selling book. And, and as, of late, the latest one was The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. And people buy it, and they read it. Incidentally, if you know the, the boy who came back from heaven, his name is Alex Malarkey. No pun intended, but that should tell you something. <laughs> he, he just retracted the book. And he's, he's a good man, a good young man, but he said, listen, I didn't read my Bible before that. I made this stuff up for whatever reason, and I'm sorry. So if you bought the book, you bought a, a great fairy tale. And here's what he says at the end of this statement that he makes, this, this young man. He says, you should just read your Bible. Wow, that's, that's a really good answer. And, and so there is great curiosity among us. And in the church of Jesus Christ, there's confusion. The Corinthians were saying, hey, listen, we think that the body is evil. You know, we have this, this Greek and Roman philosophy, and we're in bondage to this prison that we're in. There is no resurrection for us. That's crazy. And so now Paul is going to teach them. He's going to instruct them. We call that doctrine. Now listen to me. If you ever go to a church and they say, hey, we want you to know something. We're glad you're here, but we do not worry about doctrine. If you hear that, Run. And don't turn back. Because doctrine is teaching. And Paul's going to take some time to teach these believers because they did not know. 
couldn't understand what happens in the resurrection. So, look back in our text now, and he, he says this in, in verse number 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And, and, and stay with me, because Paul's going to start this, this premise in a minute, and it goes pretty fast. But what he's saying is this. If you're saying there is no resurrection for you, and that that's impossible for men and women to stand up again physically after death, then what you're saying is that Christ didn't do it either. Okay? And what he's about to do is he's about to put the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the physical resurrection of the believer together where they fall or rise together. What Paul is saying is you can't have one without the other. And now he says at the end of verse 13 or 14, and if Christ be not risen. And so what Paul's about to do now is he's about to say, okay, wait a minute. If you don't believe that you're going to get up, stand up again, then Christ didn't. And if Christ didn't, here are the ramifications of this. And this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. I know many of you know this and understand this. But I want to help you with something that's very important this morning. Our young people are here. Always love having our young people here. They always do a great job. And I'm going to have one young lady help me. Amy, can you, can you help me? Um, I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you know about Domino's? Oh, they deliver. It's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Not that place. Okay? Not the great Tuesday half-off prices. Or I'm talking about the game of Domino's. Amy, you just come up here, honey, okay? As a kid, we, we had, I think we had Domino's, but I have to tell you the truth. The truth is I never understood um, how to play the game. And the truth is, I never cared about how playing the game goes. You can start setting them up, sweetheart, okay? What we did with dominoes was, we set them up to do what? To knock them down, right? And, and if you go on YouTube now today, you'll, you'll see that they have, like, warehouses of dominoes. And you hit one, and it goes all over the place. There's explosions, there's balloons, there's everything. But the idea for most of us with dominoes is, if you do it right, you knock the first one down, this could be tragic, this illustration. I was going to do it with the cards, like putting cards together. I thought, oh, my goodness, that would be terrible. You're doing a great job, Amy. If you do it right, when you hit the first one, they all fall down. All right? How are we doing, Amy? We're doing good? You're doing great. Let's see how we do here. This will be the end all. No, we'll put this right here. No, we won't. We'll leave it alone. I'll hold this one. All right? Are you ready? All right, Amy, go ahead. Ah, perfect. Give her a hand. Good job. That's all I needed for you, okay? Leave it. Leave it. It's good. Say, wow, that was great. Thank you. Right? Here's the point. Paul's about to tell us, and we need to pay attention. If this domino goes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when I say resurrection, I mean standing up again in his flesh. If this goes, the consequences of that for the believer are terrible. And so now he's going to review for us, if this domino of Christ physically rising from the dead goes, I want you to see what happens because of it. And so we go down, verse number 14, and he starts talking here about the fact that it would be foolish. If this domino goes, it would be foolish for Christian people to be Christians. Look what he says in verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, 
then is our preaching vain? Now, we have young people here today. I want you to understand there's no sense coming to church and not knowing what we're talking about. The word vain is the word that maybe we don't use as much anymore. You know, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you, don't you? Remember? Remember that? How many folks remember that one? All right. That song was about you, okay? So, young people, if I say it is vain to run from here to Cleveland, it is vain to um, eat candy and expect you to be healthy, it is vain to try to beat me in arm wrestling, what, what is all of that, what does the word vain mean? Can, can you young people, do you know what it means? Just go ahead and tell me if you know. If you don't know, it's okay. Okay, we may have a problem here. Do our adults know what it means? Amy, what does it mean? Impossible. That's a good, it's vain, it's impossible. What else is vain? Yes, ma'am. It can mean doing wrong, all right? It's not a bad guess, girl. You did a great job singing, too. That's a fantastic job. Vain. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Unrealistic? Good. Okay, adults, can you help us? Because I know somebody's thinking, I have no idea what it means either. Useless. Useless. Man, that was powerful. Who, who said that? <laughs> Useless. Useless. What else? Foolish. And go ahead. Self-absorbed, yeah, that, in that direction, yeah, it's vain, self-absorbed, which is useless and foolish. What else? Empty. Good. Yep. Amy, inefficacious. Very good. Inefficacious. Right? He's good. And so here's what he says. If this domino goes, then these things are empty. Do we have that? Are empty, worthless, hopeless, inefficacious futile, powerless, unrewarding. And watch what he says. If this goes for all of us this morning, he says, verse number 15, or I'm sorry, 14, your preaching is vain, your faith is also vain, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So he says, listen, just that you know, if what Christ did is not true, then you believing in a false religion and making yourself a liar is foolish. It is vain, it is empty, and I'm not exaggerating here. And Paul would tell you this, that stop it. Pack up your bags, don't come back again. Go do whatever you want to do because it does not matter. And then as if we don't understand what Paul's saying, he goes further to hammer this home. Verse 16, he says it again. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ risen. And if Christ be not risen, now what he tells us is, okay, if you're a Christian now, which would be foolish, here's what happens. Here's the suffering and pain that will follow you if you continue to persist in this, if this domino falls. He says, verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're still in your sins. Now, if you don't understand what he says there, in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisee. He says, if you die in your sins, you can't come to where I'm at. So Paul says, if this domino goes for the Christian, guess what? You're still in your sin. You are still today and will be under the wrath and condemnation of Almighty God. And you will be heavy laden with the guilt of your
your sin. He goes on. He says that if Christ is not risen then, and your faith is vain, you're in your sins, verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So what that means is this. If this domino falls, every Christian funeral you've ever been to, when you said goodbye at the casket, you literally said goodbye forever. That's it. There's no hope. There's no, I'll see you again in the morning. It's done. And then he says, verse number 18, Oh, I just read that. Then, okay, verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are most miserable. Now, I, I want to help you something because so many times we say some things that I think we, we mean well by, but they're not good. There are lots of people in, in our culture and in our hemisphere who say things like this, and I've heard them say it. If Christianity wasn't true, I would still want to be a Christian. You've heard that, I'm sure. And what we mean by that is, it's a good life for me. I mean, I like healthy living. I like the social aspect. I like going to church three times a week plus. I I mean, I like that. And I would still be a Christian. But here's the problem with that. When Paul writes this to the first century, and for that matter, for the majority of Christians outside of our hemisphere, coming to Christ meant you were going to suffer. In the early church, you were at least going to lose your Friends, of course, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your livelihood, your job. You're going to lose your freedom. And you could lose your life. And with the majority of the church of Jesus Christ today, that is a, that's still a reality. And so Paul says, writing, knowing that, why in the world would you, would you live that life if you could not be persecuted, if you could not endure suffering, and just get what you can for this brief stint called life and enjoy it. Because if you're living the Christian life, and this is not true, you, above all people, ought to be pitied. It's pretty heavy stuff. You should just close there today and just go home. It'd be sad if that's where it ended, but it doesn't. Look at verse number 20, if you would. He says, But now is Christ risen. Let's do something this morning. I love this. I think we should do it every week. He is risen. He is risen. Yeah, that's, that's a cue. We're going to do it again. All right. Thank you. He is risen. Exactly. And that's why we're here. Do you understand that? We're here this morning because we believe in the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Our Savior is not in the grave. He got up physically. He walked out with all power of heaven and hell. He has the keys with him today. And Jesus is alive. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. No matter what men might say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. That's my Jesus. He's alive. And so Paul says, listen to me. The domino did not fall. (laughs) He's alive. It's okay. But now here's where we miss it, and I think we do ourselves an injustice and a disservice. Look where the the verse goes from there. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead 
and become the first fruits of them that slept. And for some of us, we be like, what are you talking The first fruits. Listen, this is really important. The first fruits were an offering that the, the Israelites brought to God, and it was the first fruit of their harvest, like grain. And so they bring a little portion of grain at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the harvest, and they would symbolically dedicate it to God, saying, God, everything is yours. You're the God of heaven and earth, the creator, and here is my offering, and I'm giving it because it is a guarantee that the rest of this harvest will come to fruition. I will harvest bountifully and plentifully just as this beginning is. Here's what Paul's saying. It's important to you. You're going to see why in a minute. Jesus Christ at his resurrection was a first fruit. He resurrected no one in the past, not even Lazarus, resurrected like he did. He lives again, never to die. And because Jesus is a first fruit, this is a down payment. It is a guarantee that everyone who comes after him will be raised as well. Listen to me. Because of Christ's resurrection, it is a sure thing that believers in Christ will stand up again. Again. And not only is it a sure thing, this first fruit, it shows the, the, the kind and the character of this resurrection. We will be similar in this resurrection. Jesus Christ got up bodily from the tomb. And listen, he was not a floating spirit. Do you remember what he said? He said, listen, Thomas, touch my hands. I'm not a spirit. I've got flesh here. He eats with his disciples after the resurrection. And listen to me, this should blow our minds. That when he ascended up to heaven, he ascended in a body, and the angel said, he's coming back just like you saw him go. Now listen to me. With that body for all eternity, you and I who know Christ, we will see in Jesus Christ the marks of our redemption. 10,000 years from now, we will look at Christ and see the marks of our redemption. And so, Paul says, we're going to rise like that as well. Like that as well. So, with that truth in mind... um, What do we do with that? I mean, and that's a lot there. Listen to me. When I get a hold of the idea and the truth that Jesus Christ is risen and that it affects me, it should, in a powerful and profound way, change me. Change me. Let me ask you a question this morning. How is your life different from your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, because Christ is risen? How is your life different from theirs today? It should be. It absolutely should be. Because here's what happens. That list that Paul just said of all those things that are meaningless and, and don't matter, guess what happens now because Christ is risen? Look what happens. Dave, put those on the board up here, the new list. Now because Christ is risen, things have changed. I think they've changed. They change about now that they are powerful, now that they are. There we go. No, that's what, Okay, there we go. Now those things we talked about, are fruitful, are profitable, are worthy, are rewarding, they are powerful, and they are hopeful and efficacious. It means now that all those things that we said are wasted, now they're not. And so let's go through them this morning quickly as we close. He says, our preaching now is not wasted. It is not wasted. Can I tell you something? When we come together and we open the word of God and we proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Every time this is opened and proclaimed, I want to tell you something. It is not wasted. It is powerful. It is the living word of God. And we stand and we proclaim, listen, we believe that Jesus Christ lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he, he is making all things new, and he is coming again. Our preaching now is powerful. He's come to make all things new. So, here's what we do. In light of that now, we don't minimize preaching. We don't just say, ah, oh, come on, man, I got the crock pot on, let's call it quits. We don't. We understand that whoever's preaching the word of God when it's open, it's the word of God. And we become engaged. We don't zone out. We don't fall asleep. Right? We get engaged. It is powerful. It is the word of God. He says, our preaching is not in vain. Then he goes on and says, our faith is not in vain either. It is foundational. It's not now that Jesus is sort of part of my life or I'm kind of missing something or I like the social. No. Christ who is our life. We don't play at our faith. It is who we are. We are alive and well in Jesus Christ. And so our faith is powerful. Yes, we fall. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we have trouble in life. But because of a risen Savior, I can get up again. I can be cleansed. And I can be right. And then he says, our witness is true. Our witness is true. Do you know, believer, that because Christ has risen from the dead, we have now the only cure for the greatest ailment of mankind? You know our world's in a mess. I mean, you watch the news. You see the racism that happens now recently in Baltimore. You see poverty. You see injustice. Um, we, see, we see it all. And sometimes we think, well, if we just had more money, throw more money at the problem, or if we had more programs, or if we had the right political office in there, it would be okay. It would not be okay. Because the problem with man is a sin problem of the heart. And until that is taken care of and cleansed by the blood of Christ, these things will not change. We need new hearts. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our witness is true. So we follow a risen Savior. So what does that mean? That means I don't have to blush at the message. I don't have to apologize about the truth. I can proclaim it knowing it's powerful. And let me just say something to you. The message that we, we preach this morning is not, well, I am a Baptist. That's not the message. Years ago, many of you will remember Mr. Prasan, who this was his vision, this entire church. He used to tell a story about a little boy Every Sunday he would dress up and he would put on um, his suit and carry his big Bible and tell everyone, I'm proud to be a Baptist, I'm proud to be a Baptist, I'm proud to be a Baptist. And finally some guy said, listen, little man, if you weren't a Baptist, then what would you be? And he thought a minute and said, I would be ashamed. Okay? I'd be ashamed. Now, now here's the truth. That's a funny little thing. But the fact is my message is not I'm a Baptist or I, or I am a religious person or I, I have spirituality, or I'm the, the, the son of a preacher man. It, it's it's not, not any of those things. Our message is very simple, that we believe the risen Christ is alive and well, and he's come to seek and save that which was lost, and through him is redemption, and without him is destruction. That's our message, and we don't need to blush about it because we have the truth. And then we find out that we are not in our sins. He says, we're not in our sins. Um, Guilt is a good thing and a bad thing. 
When you do wrong, you ought to feel guilty. It's an act of your conscience. So when you snap at your wife, you ought to feel guilty. When you're unkind to your children, you ought to feel guilty. When you lay on the horn of that old lady who's been in the fast lane for three miles, that's okay. <laughs> she should follow the law. Okay? But you and I both know that guilt, if not taken care of, because guilt says there's something wrong, I need to make it right, I make it right with God, I make it right with that person, and I'm cleansed. But, but you know, sometimes we, we do that, and we have a past, we have a history, we have things that make us feel guilty. And, and Paul says, because Christ is risen, we are no longer in our sins. It means that the sins of my past, the sins of my present, and the sins of my future are all taken care of. And as I live the Christian life, I daily, by faith and repentance, I am cleansed by Christ. I am for me, for you. There is now no condemnation of the guilt of sin. It is glorious. It is freeing. It should cause us great joy. I love the words of uh, John Newton. This is a great quote. He says, well, may the accuser roar of sins that I have done. And you and I know, if you've been in the faith for a long time, you have a past, I have a past, and there's something in our head that says, I know you. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know your deepest thoughts. You are a sinner. And we have an adversary who's an accuser of the brethren. And he does it to our conscience. He does it through other people. Facebook, family members. I know you. Well, may the accuser roar of sins that I have done. I know them all and thousands more. Right? You don't know my heart, but I do. I know things this morning that even my mom doesn't know that I did. And I'm not telling you either. Right? And so do you. You can accuse me, but I, t I tell you, I got the goods on myself. I know a thousand more that you have no idea. And so the accuser roars, and I know them. I know them all and thousands more, but Jehovah knoweth none. Yes, glorious truth. That there is no guilt, there is no condemnation. I am free from my past. I am free from the sin. I am cleansed, not because I'm good, but because there's a risen Christ. I live without guilt. I have to hang my head. Yeah, I got a past. Jesus covers it. Covers yours. We are not in our sins. And then he says, he says, those who perish, they're not gone forever. I've been in this movement for a long time now, and years ago, and, and I don't know if this is still going on, but uh, the curiosity of what we look like in heaven, what that's about, what, what, is, what does the resurrection look like? And uh, one teacher used the, the, the verse, for we shall, we shall be like him, for we shall see him, and we will be like he is, or something from 1 John. We shall, we shall see him, we shall be like him. How'd that go? You know what I'm talking about. And he said, because of that, Pulled it right out of context. It wasn't talking about resurrection. So because of that, when we die and go to heaven for the believer, we will all be 33-year-old men. Did anybody ever hear that before? Okay, some of you have bad teaching. Okay. Okay, can you imagine that someday get to heaven and my mother's a 33-year-old man? How freaky is that? 
my grandmother is a 33-year-old man? That's bizarre. That's bu- is that the hope we have, that we all become 33-year-old men? That's pathetic. That's not what he's talking about here. But what he is saying is this. Because Christ rose, we will rise. And not only will we rise, but we will recognize our loved ones. I will know them, and they will know me. I will hear their voice again. And better than that, I will touch them. I will hold them. I will embrace them, and I will love them. Can I tell you something? It's amazing. It's glorious. And this is our God making all things new because this domino never fell. Christ is risen. And then in conclusion, he says, before we should be pitied above all men. But he said, no, that's not the case now. We shouldn't be pitied at all. We are the most hopeful of all people. Listen to me. I'm not talking about a bed of roses, a garden of roses. That, that is not biblical. It's not. If you're a human being, if you've been in the faith, you know that life is hard. Life is difficult. Life has struggles. We have pain. We have sorrow. And this prosperity gospel stuff has got to stop. You cannot transport that message to Iran today. Go tell Pastor Saeed, who's been in prison for two years for his faith, that all he needs is a little more faith, send some money, and you'll be okay. It's not true. You see, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't translate well in Syria and in Iraq. The pastors in China and North Korea are not preaching healthy, wealthy, and wise. The Christians on the shore of Libya who lost their heads are not somehow weaker in the faith than I am because I have a new car. I might say that they're much stronger than I am in their faith. Christian, life is not easy. Our problem is we don't deal with reality. And and our perception is, is messed up. If I told you behind this door is a beautiful palace. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's gold, silver. There's a spa in there. I mean, there's a, there's a water slide in there. It's fantastic. Right behind this door. And I open this door. Disappointed? I would be. I'd be like, man, it stinks. But if I told you behind this door is a prison full of rats... It's sickening, disgusting. You wouldn't want to see it. If I open the door again, it's like, oh, it's not so bad. Right? Christian, you are going to suffer. That's the reality of this life. Sin has ruined and wrecked everything. But even in the midst of that, the sickness, the illness, the pain, the cancer, the death, Paul says we are not to be pitied because we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. And this is not all there is. And so when I look at my loved ones who are suffering and struggling, I know that this is not the end. There is more. We have hope. And it's not some stupid, plastic, cheesy smile that everything's great. It's not. But there's a joy and a buoyancy within that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what I'm trusting. And no matter what happens, I will continue to trust because someday I am going home. Physically, and in my flesh I will see him.
My friend, listen to me, Christian. You have it all. <laughs> you have it all. And Paul says, if this domino goes, we have nothing. But Christ is risen. And because of that this morning, it ought to change us in a profound way. We've seen it in the preaching, our faith, our witnessing, the, the loved ones that we lose, that we're not miserable. But I want you to go home this week and think about how a risen Christ affects your life, where you work, where you live, where you labor. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Right? Hey, I know it's bad. Now, some of you are just have a tendency to be that way. It hurts you to crack a smile. I understand that. But listen to me. We have hope that goes beyond all this. And we can, we can have a joy. We can have a, a, a winsome spirit knowing that our God reigns. He is alive and well and coming again. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Young people, again, I'm, I'm always amazed at the job that you do, listening and paying attention. Without Christ, we of all men are most miserable. We should be pitied. But no pity party going on here. We have a risen Savior. And because of that, it changes everything. My friend, two questions this morning. The first is this. Do you know Christ? Because all this means nothing to you. Listen, if he's alive and well, then you better listen to what he said. And here's what he said. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can't ignore it. That's what he said. And so if you reject it, you are rejecting the king of the universe, the risen Christ, the Lord of lords and king of kings. And you will be brought under his wrath someday. My friend, if you don't know Christ, I beg you today, repent. Believe in his finished work. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Receive him. Call upon his name. If you need help, talk to somebody here. We, we'd love to help you. Christian friend. How is your life different? I'm talking.